Pack your bags, it's time to visit Las Vegas, America's capital for fun and entertainment. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hello again and welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi. Today's show features a couple of wonderful entertainers. Up first, you'll meet Frankie Shinta, leader of one of the most popular shows in Vegas. The Shintas play weekends at the Plaza Hotel and almost always sell out. You'll find out why. Later, one of the great second bananas ever, Dennis Blair, has opened for the greats such as Rodney Dangerfield, George Carlin, and Joan Rivers, among others. You'll meet Dennis today. All that, plus our Vegas insider, a trip to the Casino Legends Hall of Fame, and a look at Christmas fun in Vegas. This is one of those shows where I'm going to tell you, if you visit Las Vegas and you want to see a great act that you maybe didn't hear of, one of the best deals in town, you want to see the Shintas. They've been doing this for a while now, and they put on a great show. They're at the Plaza Hotel and Casino. You can see them through the first few months of 2017, and you're going to love them. We have Frankie Shinta with us, and uh, Frankie, you guys have been doing this for a while. Well, hello. You've been doing this for a while, haven't you? My God, you know what? It started out way back. Uh, I was just a young kid, and my brother and I formed a, a, the Shinta Brothers, and it was a place in Buffalo, New York, called McGuire's Arches, who Paul McGuire, uh, who was an ex-kicker of the Buffalo Bills, he owned a place called McGuire's Arches. And it started within six months. This was a place you couldn't get into. To make a long story short, the owner of the Playboy Club in Buffalo came to see us and was blown away by what he saw. said, I don't know what he's paying you, but I'll pay you double. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so we went there. He paid us double. And on weekends, our sister would come in and sing. And it was a lot of comedy, a lot of uh, breaking oranges of the people, a little bit of Don Rickles, but musical side of it. So we do music, but then if somebody was talking or somebody was – not paying attention, we had the knack for grabbing them by their heartstrings and bringing them in, no matter who they were, whether they were the, whether they were an accountant or a gangster. You know, honest to God, it it happened because us being Sicilian, all the old Sicilian guys used to come and see us too. Hey, do a nice Italian song, <laughs> you know. And it, it started like that, and well, to make a long story short, sixteen plus years ago. We got the offer to come to Vegas to be, have our own showroom. And uh, a gentleman out of Detroit and uh, a friend of his bought the showroom at the, uh, which was the Hilton, which is now the Westgate. Right, right. And uh, we were there six months on a year contract. Within six months, four or five casinos came after the Shintas. And, uh, the rest is history, man. We spent uh, a year at the Hilton. We spent almost six years at the Rio Casino. And then in, in those days, things started to change in Vegas. And X started a four-wall, which uh, you pay to perform. Mm-hmm. You buy the room. You do your own ads. You do your own uh, everything. And you get the ticket sales. Well, it sounded like a great idea, <clears throat> which it wasn't, which yeah. I believe I, I never was a fan of that. Well, lo and behold, years later, after performing locally here in Vegas and uh, continually 
headlining somewhere in Vegas, we got a a call from Oscar Goodman, our ex-mayor, who was uh, uh, our mayor for a long time here in Vegas, who made a lot of great changes in this town, ran into me one night and said, hey, Shinta. I said, hey, Goodman. He says, we want a show at the Plaza Hotel. You interested? I said, I'm always interested, Oscar. So we had a meeting a week later with the president of the hotel. We came to an agreement. Uh, We said, you know what? I I I believed at the time in my heart that five nights a week in Las Vegas in these these days is not a successful stay. It's just too many nights. There are 38,000 seats available in Las Vegas every night to see a, a show. Is that unbelievable? Wow. 38,000 available. So I told the president of the hotel, I said, you know what? Why don't we do two nights a week? Why don't we do a Friday and Saturday? Let's just do a Friday and Saturday. And I had had a lot of bookings on my calendar all over the country, and I couldn't get rid of some of them. Some of them you just don't walk out on. And, and I'm not that kind of guy anyway. Once I have a contract or even a handshake, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be at the gig. And we, we've been blessed to sell out wherever we go, whether it's wh- wherever it is on the East Coast or Midwest. We've been blessed from 1,000 to 2,700 seat theaters. We're selling them out. So we toured, plus we did our weekends. Well, we were only supposed to do four months at the plaza. The four months turned into a year. And now we just had a meeting about, oh, about three weeks ago, and they've extended us through the end of April. So the last two weekends of every month, starting in January, the Shintas will be at the Plaza Hotel. And I don't think we're going anywhere for a long time. We really love the hotel. It's a perfect fit for our kind of show. Our show's a kickback, and we never meant it to be a kickback to Vintage Vegas. You hear that all the time. We never meant it to be. It was just what we did. It was the impressions that my brother did, and the impressions that I do and the, and the comedy between us brothers and our orchestra is amazing. Our band is just incredible. Everything from, uh, <clears throat> geez, everything from Dixieland to Bruno Mars. And they cover it like, like you're listening to the original. And I got, I'm just very proud. We got a great girl singer named Janine Valentine, very talented. Uh, the whole band is talented. Everybody has their moment in the show. Well, Frankie, you so, should be proud. I mean, I checked the reviews on this, you know, and the reviews on the show, everybody loves it. I mean, and every, when I say everybody loves it, I'm hearing from young people. I'm hearing from older folks and everybody in between. They really enjoy it. And, you know, you talk about vintage Las Vegas. Well, you're in downtown. Downtown is now revitalized. It's, you know, an Oscars hotel is, is great. And, in fact, they've even got a good deal. People should look into a dinner and a show, 99 bucks. You get all that a great meal and a great show. This has to be exciting for you to see that, you know, you've done this all these years and people still love it, you know, and people are, are finding you for the first time. You know, it's, it amazes me that we do have teenagers to uh, 90-year-old teenagers that come into our show and they all walk out feeling the same way. You know, we'll touch your heart. There's moments in our show that really reach out and grab your heart. I don't care who you are what race, what religion, what nationality. It's about us. It's about all of us and how there's moments in the show that will just touch you. If you love your family, uh, it'll touch your heart. Um, If you love this country, it'll touch your heart. There's moments in the show 
that are very touching. And then there's the moments that are very like bend over laughing. And we're very proud of it, man, to be, to be able to draw a crowd from all different age groups is a blessing for us. And it truly is what Vegas was built on. There were no scripts. There were no, there was no uh, DJs. There were no uh, sequencing music uh, with uh, 400 vocals in the background. It is, it's raw talent. What we put up there from, from my brother to our singer to even myself and, you know, and I, 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 very blessed that I could play almost any string or percussion instrument, which I do on stage. And I love the impressions too, but I also love going into the crowd and finding out what somebody does and what this guy does and what that guy's doing in Vegas. I mean, that's what we do. And it's a show that will definitely entertain you. Well, I think and people will blessed. love it. I mean, I really do in the sense that, you know, you might come down and you want to see a particular star that's flown in, but make room for this show too because it's, it, like you say, it's all Vegas. And, I mean, I'm just looking at this, Frankie. You guys do impressions, parodies, you know, cover songs, piano music, patriotic uh, salute to veterans. I mean, you've got it all for folks. Well, we, we are. And you know what's going to happen New Year's Eve this is really different for our friends that either are from the East Coast listening or our friends here in Vegas. Our show is going to start New Year's Eve at 845. That's different than it usually does. It usually starts at 730. At 9 o'clock, we are going to put on our big jumbo screens in the showroom. We're going to ring in the New Year with our New York friends at 9 o'clock West Coast time. So if you're from back east, we're going to ring it in with New York City. And then we're going to ring in New Year's again up at Oscars at midnight. <laughs> That's a way to do it. I love that, you know. I mean, this is great. And, and we're one of the few places that are going to do that. I, I don't know if anybody's doing it, but we're definitely going to ring in the New Year with all of our East Coast people at 9 o'clock p.m. in the showroom on New Year's Eve. And there's great packages for rooms and dinners and and the whole package it's going to be incredible and i i welcome everyone you should come it'll be a night you will not forget yeah and if you have any doubts about the plaza just go on their website you know because people remember it from years ago and it's been there a long time they've done some nice things to it it's really a great place to stay as well and downtown las vegas in general is really a lot better place you know i mean i'm looking at the list though i gotta tell you frankie you know you've talked a lot about impressions let me get the idea you could do these type songs but so you do Dean and Frank, which a lot of people do. People do really well and so forth. But you're also doing people like Michael Jackson. You got Joe Cocker in there, Bruno Mars. I mean, my God, you go through, you know, from, say, the 50s and 40s and 50s all the way to today. Yeah, and that's what we try to do. We try – we want to – I want to grab everybody. And one thing I love about the show is nothing is too long. There's nothing that lasts longer than somebody going – uh or they're doing three verses of this song, we give a little taste of everything. Just enough so you get the feeling of those moments. Back with more from Frankie Shinta of the Shinta family when we return. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. From the famous to the fascinating, in a climate as fun, fast, and flashy as Las Vegas, this is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Are you looking to save money on your prescription medications? 
Are your prescription costs too high? Are you paying out of pocket for your meds? Or is your copay too high? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you've got to check out the RX Cut free prescription discount card. And getting your free discount card is easy. All you do is go to the website rxcutdiscounts.com. The free RX Cut prescription discount card allows you to get significant discounts on either brand name or generic prescription medications, and it also works on meds with high copays. There are no fees, no forms, no personal information needed, and the cards are active immediately. Discount cards are also good for the entire family, and they never expire. Again, to get your free discount cards, visit rxcutdiscounts.com. You may get the free discount card either by U.S. mail, email, text, or simply print out the discount card online. It's just that easy. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. You may not realize it, but there's a source of renewable energy right in your neighborhood, and you're helping to power it. Today, waste management is using the resources at our disposal to create energy from waste. Enough green energy to power over one million homes. It's an idea we're proud to drive forward. From everyday collection to environmental protection. Think green. Think waste management. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. I'm chatting with Frankie Shinta, patriarch of the Shinta Family Show, which headlines at the Palace Hotel in downtown on weekends. Now, Frankie, you're a man of many talents, including comedy, song, and impressions. I don't even consider myself an impressionist, but when I do Dean Martin, you're going to feel him. When I do George Burns, you're going to feel George Burns. You're going to feel like you're listening and watching George Burns. And when my brother does Joe Cocker, oh, my God, he's just a nut. <laughs> I mean, he's, he is absolutely – Rich Little, who's a great impressionist, who's a good friend, said Joe's uh, – my brother's uh, Joe Cocker impression is the best impression of a human being he's ever seen. <laughs> That's great. Does, is That's your brother also do Billy Joel? Cause, uh, no, I, I do Billy. You Billy? Joe wow. <laughs> Mick Jagger. Joe does Mick Jagger. Joe Cocker. A very funny spoof on Neil Diamond. He does, I mean, Hendrix. He does so many different things. And then Joe is just Joe. My brother's the one that is the – I'm the yin, he's the yang. We're totally opposites. I'll stay up on stage for nine hours. Joe wants to do his 80 minutes, and he's done. And he lets me know it and the audience know it. And it's very funny, believe it or not. Well, you know, and, and <laughs> I, like I say, you know, Frankie, I, I did a little research because, you know, somebody told me, oh, you got to hear about the show, you know, and I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to. But I talked to some people, and the one thing that I thought was interesting, too, is you guys don't do the same show night after night in the sense that something different can come up each time, which is kind of cool. 
Well, because it's a different audience. So you have a whole different slew of people to work off of. You know, if, 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 where there was a little old lady sitting at a table last night, there's a 25-year-old girl. And, you, and, or, and, a, you know, and then the next table is a group of guys from Chicago, you know, and they look like gangsters. So, of course, you're going to go after them. You go, what are you guys here for, to whack somebody? I mean, whatever <laughs> it is, that's yeah. us. That is what we do. And it's just, it's very funny. Um, and we never offend. We laugh at ourselves. You know, first we pick on ourselves. And we need that in this time. We really do. We need to laugh more than we ever have. With all the stuff that's going on in this world, especially in our own country, we need to laugh. And laughter is the greatest medicine. And we pick on everyone, irrespective of their race, religion, nationality. We got them. And it's not, it's not poking fun at them. It is opening their eyes to themselves. So it's really, I mean, I grew up listening to Richard Pryor. Um, <laughs> I love Richard Pryor. All the, well, my God, <laughs> I, I listened to all the greats, and uh, Richard certainly was one of them. Don Rickles was another inspiration. And we have, my brother has that wit that if somebody's just not clapping, he's going to stop the show and, you know, okay, what, what, what's wrong? Yeah, it's, tell it's, us what's wrong. Uh, and if the guy, whatever the guy says, that's our next ten minutes. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's just fun. We're having a ball, man, and the music is great. It really is. No, and that's the, the girl, fun part. Yeah. Well, tell us about her. I wanted to ask you. So you, you're thinking ahead of me there. Uh, tell me about her because she's doing a different type of music than you two do, right? Yes. Well, it, it, she does. Yeah, she does all the female stuff. Uh, she does the Michael Jackson stuff. She sings opera. I mean, and we do a small opera piece in the show that never ends without a standing ovation. She sings pop. She's everything. I mean, she's very gifted. She really is. Um, her name is Janine Valentine. I'll tell you what, my sister, we miss her to death. And there was nobody like our sister because Chrissy had that knack for doing any style of music and really selling it. And Janine Valentine has that gift as well who's a, a sound performer on her own, you know, and uh, it all just fit. It all just fits. She's, she's incredible. She knows how to break oranges with us up on stage. Um, she don't hold back, you know, that's for sure. And she's a Sicilian like us. So, we know how to give it back to her, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, a, I'm Italian. My best friends I grew up with, both of them, were for Sicilians. We always had a blast. And, you know, and, and I can just hear, it sounds like what Christmas Eve used to sound like in my friend's house. Everybody having a great time. Everybody with a lot of talent. I think people are going to love this. Let's tell them, Frankie, where they can see it again. It's at the Plaza Hotel in downtown. And yep, downtown Las Vegas, starting it, uh, this weekend. And then we rehearse for our Christmas tour We'll be gone December, but December 31st is our New Year's Eve bash at the Plaza Hotel. And if you can't come to that, which you should, because we're going to celebrate twice. Yeah, you should really great. be drunk by that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last two weekends of every month till the end of April, we are live at the Plaza at 7.30 at night, uh, last two Fridays and Saturdays of every month. And you can go to the website at the Plaza and check it out if you forget. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Or go to com, which is being renewed right now. It will be up in a few days. You can go to com, 
Let's spell it for him. Schedule. Let's spell it for him, Frankie, because they might not get it from oh, the. It's S is in Sam. C I N T A. Shinta. No, no H. So we couldn't afford one in Sicily. <laughs> there you go. Shinta.com. <laughs> Shinta. So you get Shinta.com, yes. and then we go to check out the Plaza as well. Hey, we can't wait to see you. Thanks so much for being with us today, uh, Frankie. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. My pleasure, man. Have a great week. Time now for another visit with our Vegas insider, Scott Robin. Today, Scott and I discuss the family in Las Vegas. Have we seen the end of that attempt? There was kind of at the end of the 20th century where they were going to go ahead and try to make this family-friendly as well. Not that there isn't stuff for, for families to do, because there definitely is, but this overt effort to do all this stuff for kids, have they found that there just wasn't enough of a market for it? Depends on who you talk to, because Steve Wynn himself, casino mogul uh, par excellence, has said that he is going to have a giant King Kong attraction in his new water park area water parks of course kid friendly there's going to be a lot of stuff there's going to be a lake (laughs) he's got a whole big idea there's a giant king kong involved in this thing so just at the moment you think hey we're over the family friendly thing now you've got a whole new array of family friendly things so i honestly think i don't think anybody makes those decisions consciously i think they look at what their customers are looking for what they want and they feed into that and they give people what they want and if it's a giant king kong that's that's something if it's a zip line that's something else i think it's 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 a mix and the reason circus circus has not been demolished is because they're serving a very specific need and demand and that need and demand is families people are you it's very rare that a Uh, parents will go away for three weeks and just leave their kids and their dogs. That's why hotels are pet friendly is because you don't want to leave your dogs at home. You don't want to leave your kids at home. So what are you going to do with those kids when you get here? Vegas is an adult playground, but in almost every hotel, there's a babysitting service or there's an arcade, a video arcade where the kids can hang out. So uh, I think it's tricky for casinos because they can't be seen as marketing to younger people, but they all tend to have amenities that can serve those, those families. So I don't think, I don't think they're overtly marketing Vegas as family friendly now, but I think there's a lot of very family friendly attractions and amenities that they have. You can follow Scott via the web and on Twitter as well at vitalvegas.com. When we return, you will meet the great Dennis Blair, who's open for some of the legends of comedy, including Rodney Dangerfield, George Carlin, Jackie Mason, and Joan Rivers, and we'll ask Dennis what it was like to work with all those greats. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. world-class hotels, dining, gaming, special events, and more. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
Forgotten Heroes, the independent film that Hollywood refused to distribute. They were asked to risk their lives in order to save their enemy. The producers of Forgotten Heroes are donating 25% of all sales to the American Veterans Disabled for Life Memorial Fund. We need someone to go in there and bring them out. From first-time director Jack Marino, the home run for America's Vietnam veteran. They are Forgotten Heroes. Buy the DVD now at ForgottenHeroesTheMovie.com. That's ForgottenHeroesTheMovie.com. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach that does so much more than just business. Logan, do you find that people come to you thinking about business and ended up leaving where it's really about their entire life? That's actually a great question because what I find is that people often come to me and ask, am I a business coach, am I a career coach, am I a life coach? And I say, I don't care what you call me because when you change any part of your life, so if we're talking about your career or your relationship, it's going to change everything. So when we make changes in one part, it touches every part of our life. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about about you and what you're doing? Sure. You can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you could also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. Waste management has earth-friendly plans that fit the biggest corporations and recycling programs to help smaller companies get started. We're there for you every night and on the job with you every day. When you put waste management to work, you get an environmental partner and big ideas for every size business. From everyday collection to environmental protection, think green, think waste management. To learn more, visit WM.com. heard the name Dennis Blair or not if you've been to any number of great great comedy acts you've seen him he's been the opener for such greats as Rodney Dangerfield George Carlin Jackie Mason the Beach Boys tons of people we'll talk to him all about that but this guy's done it all and I can't wait to talk to him Dennis Blair who lives in Las Vegas and plays there in a number of places we'll talk about that too Dennis welcome uh, do you ever get bored with life I mean my god you're a screenwriter a songwriter comedic actor you do uh, you've written a book uh, what is it you don't do uh, let's see. I do not. I cannot throw a frisbee to save my life. Uh, so there you go. So there's one. <laughs> and I do not. Uh, I do not uh, cook well. Not I'm a not good. A good uh, no, I don't, I'm not good at preparing food. So those are two. 
And if you gave me another, you know, 10, 15 minutes, I could probably think of about, you know, 30 other things that I can't do. But there's some things I can do. So there you go. No, you, you've, you've done it all. You've been with the greats. I mean, you start your career, your uh, work with Rodney Dangerfield. You're his protege, one of the right. greats of all time. What was that like, the first three years uh, going around with him? That was uh, pretty amazing because I had, you know, I, I kind of fell into this comedy career by accident because I was a musician and a songwriter for years. And I just started uh, doing clubs in Long Island with my comedy act that I, that I kind of accidentally came up with, doing song parodies. And then I went into Dangerfield one night on their audition night, an audition there, and it went really well. And then Rodney came. I opened for Jackie Mason the next week. They hired me on the spot to open for Jackie. And then Rodney came and saw me that uh, that week and said, hey, they obviously like what you do. What do you do? And I told them, and uh, he took a liking to me and then uh, said, hey, you want to tour with me? And uh Sure, why not? So that was pretty fantastic the way that all came about. Yeah, well, you know, and, and watching him from the side and talking to him and stuff, it has to be a, a, a great inspiration in the sense that this was a guy that's been great for a long time, and yet he really didn't hit the big time till you know, towards the middle of his life. Right, right, right. I, he, it's funny because he was doing well all the time. He always did well, but after, it wasn't until Caddyshack when I guess he was like in his early 60s or something that uh, – he became like the biggest, you know, comic in America, and I he that always kind of uh, depressed him a little bit. Why it took him so long, but you know, it's it, hey, I figured it it, it it happened eventually, so not such a bad thing. Well, Caddyshack and Back to School were great. Another one that was great, and you co-wrote with him was Easy Money. So uh, talk, yeah. and, and you and you were in that too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, they put me in two small parts in Easy Money. Yeah, I mean, was that kind of a blast? Because again, that's a whole nother thing. Because you're writing, you're writing comedy, and you're writing for him. It's a, it's a little bit different. Yeah, well, it was. Into, I mean, he uh, after Caddyshack, he came to me and said, "Hey, they want to, uh, hey, they want to do do a movie starring me. So uh, if you come up with any ideas, let me know." And I'd been doing comedy for about six months at that time, and I'm going, "Okay, the biggest star in comedy just asked me." come up with an idea for a movie for him so i go running home and i'm putting my thinking hat on and i I come up with the idea for easy money and i come back to him i tell him what it is and he goes yeah that's good that's but i like that he said let me think about it and he uh he i guess he presented it to the movie company they they went for it he hired they hired two writers uh he wound up not liking what they did and he got me on board that dennis has to be on this this movie so he insisted on getting me on as a writer uh, so that's how that all happened. And, uh, you know, it took us two years around the table at his apartment to, to uh, come up with the final the final result. I don't know why it took that long, but that's how that happened. You know, and then the, and then the director wound up putting me in, in two small parts in that, in that film. Well, nice. So we're not going to just talk about Ronnie Dangerfield all day, but I got to tell you, I was a huge fan. I used to watch him on Carson and everything, and I bought his albums, and Rappin' Rob, Rodney, which was one of the sure. best albums, and uh, that was, you were a part of that, too, weren't you? Yep. Uh, he wanted, they wanted to do a song with him. Uh, he, one thing about Rodney is he, when, when he takes you under his wing, he really takes you under his wing. So, I mean, I was his main guy for like three years. So, you know, when they said, I want to do, you, know, you have a song you can do, and uh, we came up with the concept for Rap and Rodney, and I just basically took uh, his jokes and, and put them in a rhyme scheme and uh, came up with uh, that, and then, then somebody else did the melody, I forget who it was, but we wound up recording that, and it got nominated for a Grammy. So it's just, 
just an amazing time, you know. Well, that must have been an interesting experience because rap was in its early days there. And usually when people right. do those things you know, on comedy albums, it sounds really cheesy. And stuff. I remember that was well done. And, you know, you incorporated, of course, some of his routines into that music. Right. And, and that's why it was so popular, I think, because, um, you know, was that something you were trying to be real true to the genre even while you were getting this in? Yeah, I mean, you know, the way rap music, I guess, when it was in its infancy, then we just, you know, we just wanted to make a kind of a novelty record, but you know, but but keep, but in keeping with, I guess, what was happening at the time. So, uh, and you know, they they went for it. They they put it out. They released it, and they they liked it. And people, even even today, they go, "Hey, rapping Rodney, I love that song." Says, "Oh, good, I was part of it." Well, you've been a part of a lot of people's careers. You're an opening act that people don't realize. Can you talk a little about that? Because some people think opening acts is kind of a throwaway. They have to fill some time. But in reality, it's really not true because you have to complement. You can't do the same things necessarily exactly that the headliner is doing. But it's really important to a headliner to get somebody to get people in the right mood and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and and it was it worked out with me because I do musical comedy. So even I could open for comedians. They'd say, "How can a comedian open for a comedian?" Well, first of all, you know it happens all the time now. But in those days, they were thinking usually a comedian opens for a singer or a singer opens for a comedian. But I did both. I do both in my act. So it would it would it would be a good opening act for a headliner because it's comedy, and it gets them in the right mood for the headliner. And it warms up the crowd, you know. But it's, it has nothing to do with what the headliner does. You know, working with Rodney and later with Joan and then with George Carlin all those years and uh, it worked out really well and uh, you know and usually it went it went pretty well too. Yeah, I mean those are three different guys as I think of it because I'm a big Jackie Mason fan. I've interviewed him a few times. Great guy, has right. a certain style. You know, Rodney's right, got his whole thing, sure. and Carlin was just a, a, a genius in terms of comedy the right. way they think. Were you sitting there picking up things from all these people? I hope so. I mean, I would watch them, you know, and and uh, I got different things from other people. Like Rodney would just said, always just said, you know, don't. He said, get right to the joke, you know, cut, cut away the fat, get you know, get to the meat. So I think I I, I learned uh, shortening up my stuff from him, and then from Joan, uh, just the presentation. She was such a good presenter. She, you know, her joke came so rapid fire, and I just would watch her. And I, I, I you know, I again nothing that I actually sat there and studied and wrote notes on, but I think it all seeped in. And then Carlin, of course, watching him uh, the first night uh, that I opened with him, and I just sat there going, I, I got to write more because, you know, the <laughs> stuff he came up was so prolific, and he came up with a new uh, hour every two years, which is amazing. And I just, I just, you know, I would just kind of come up with stuff occasionally, you know, new things, and I watched him and go, ah, I got I to gotta put my head to the grindstone here and come up with with more stuff. So yeah, each, each one contributed to at least what I tried to do with my shows. And again, I think it's such an important thing because we've all been to headliner acts where the opening act just stinks, you know, and you're going, ah, and, and consequently it's really important to have that. And, um, it, but it's a whole nother environment. I mean, I'm wondering, is there more pressure on you in a way? Because, you know, if you don't do that, it's easy for them to go, all right, we got to get somebody else in here, that kind of thing. So, I mean, is, is that kind of more of a challenge or, or what, Dennis? To me, you mean opening as, yeah, as an opener? Yeah, open, as an opener. Oh, oh it's a, I think it's a huge challenge because, you know, I mean, the people are not there to see you. They're there to see the headline. So, you know, as soon as, you, as, soon as the lights go down, even though, even if you get billing, even if you're on the marquee, and uh, even if people should be prepared for an opening act, like I would always put my guitar on the stage as people are coming into the theater, just so at least they see a guitar there. 
and maybe put two and two together and think, oh, there must be an opening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, still, you know, still there would always be, you know, the lights would always go down and people would just start yelling at Rodney or George, you know, and like you're going, oh, God, you know, <laughs> these people are going to, I'm going to come walking out, you know. And sometimes it was hard. You know, I remember um, opening for Rodney once and the lights, well, this is one of my uh, first jobs opening for him at a big theater in Philadelphia. The lights went down, the people were going nuts. And the, the announcer goes, please welcome to the stage, Rodney, Dangerfield, opening act. And, of course, no one heard <laughs> opening act. All I yeah. heard was Dangerfield. They figured Rodney's coming out, and I, I walk out, and the whole place just turned from cheering to like, oh. <laughs> and I had, to be, I had to be funny really fast because they hated my guts from that first minute. And that happened, you know, every once in a while until I told them to change the announcement, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, but but there's always the, like a bit of disappointment when the opening act comes out and say, oh, we gotta go to this guy. So you have to, you know, the, 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 I guess the main pressure is just be as funny as possible and make them not hate the fact that you're on the show. You know, well, and when you when you're doing stuff like for Rodney or or George or Joan Rivers, as you said, and so forth, do you try to do kind of different stuff than they do a little bit? You know, funny and kind of for the same crowd, but but just a little bit different, so that way it it isn't like you're you know doing the minor league version in some people's eyes if they're all waiting to see whoever that person is. You don't want them to think right. that because that's what they're going to automatically go to, no matter how good it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily for me, I mean, I never, my, my, my act was never similar to, you know, the people that I opened for. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I never had that problem. Rodney was one-liners, and so was, was Joan, basically. And, and George, of course, was did, did his brilliant thing. But mine was always song parodies and, and topical humor and stuff like that. So it all, it, it all messed well pretty much, you know, over the years. Well, and this is where we get to the Renaissance Man thing, because you did that, but as you said, you brought a lot of music into your uh, comedy, right? I mean, that's always been kind of a, right. a, a you know, a standard with you, and is it just something that y- you wanted to get into music originally, comedy, or you wanted to do both, and this was a great way to combine the two? Oh, I always, I never had any intention of getting into the comedy field. <laughs> I've just always wanted to be a musician, a songwriter. I was, uh, I won the American Song Festival in, 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 in it was, a, it was a, a, a song contest in the in the late seventies, and I won that with my writing partner. And uh, so that was my goal. You know, I was going to like, oh, we get a record deal. You know, we had I had I had bands. I had a band in those days, and we were trying to get a record deal. And uh, I think what happened was I would do these these bars, and you know, you do you sing in these bars as a musician singer, and no one's really listening to you. And I would sit there getting frustrated because no one's paying any attention to me. So I just started doing song parodies. Yeah, uh, out of out of anger and frustration to get them to listen to me, and then they started laughing at that stuff, and that and then I started doing more of that, and that's that's how that all started. So it was a, a totally accidental career. Well, uh, what a successful career! In fact, you were on the Tonight Show. Now you're talking about the Johnny Carson days, correct? Johnny Carson days, but Joan Rivers was the substitute host in those days, and I was with her, and she got me on, and uh, she okay. had a fight because they didn't like musical comics. They didn't, you know, the, the show, there's a bias against people like me who did music and song parodies and stuff. Um, and they also didn't want to have to have any problem with the rights to the songs and everything like that. But she fought and got me on twice. So oh, I did this night show twice. And it was, you know, of course, one of the highlights of my life still to this day, you know, just standing there. It wasn't Johnny. Uh, but the third time I was going to do it, I was supposed to do it with Johnny, and then she had the big falling out with Johnny, uh, and yeah. actually I was not able to do it. So and you got out of his enemies list, right? I mean, it was uh, crazy. Yeah. Really unfortunate. Even, even though it was, 
<laughs> I know, because it wasn't fair. I didn't do anything. It wasn't me, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, hey, onward and upward, what are you going to do? No, you know, but but she was, uh, she has a great reputation as that. If she believed in you, she fought for people like Rodney. I mean, they just have great reputations. And when they see talent, rather than being scared of them, they take them under their wing and try to do whatever they can to help them. Oh, yeah. Rodney was, I mean, you know, Rodney was crazy in many ways. But, I mean, the great thing about him was he was very helpful to comedians that he liked. He had, you know, the Young Comedian Special, which I never was on, but... But he would, you know, he would do anything he could to help out somebody that his girl had talent. So, you know, you got to give him credit for that. And Joan too. I mean, I, you know, if it wasn't for Joan, I wouldn't have ever done the Tonight Show. So, yeah, yeah. There you go. You know, I. I think everybody should go and check out your website. I think it's really important because they're going to see so much more than just, oh, this is a comedian. This is an opening act. Way more than that. A very good one. But there's a ton of stuff. I mean, you won an Emmy Award for both writing and voiceovers for the animated film Confessions of a Stand-Up. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, that was a whole different uh, avenue. There was a friend, my friend John Kanemaker, who's now the uh, head of animation at NYU at the time, was uh, wanted to do a documentary about stand-up, and uh, he's a great animator. And it was a short film. It was a 10- or 15-minute film, but he had me do the narration, and it was basically an interview with me and my experiences with doing stand-up comedy. And uh, I guess I guess they got it submitted to the Emmy. <laughs> they somehow got nominated. Got, no, no, got an Emmy. Yeah, uh, that one actually got an Emmy. So, you got to um, check your go check your awards thing, man. I, an Emmy up there's a big deal, Dennis. <laughs> I know, I know. I keep forgetting. You know, hey, that's okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, we got that one. I, I keep getting that confused with the Grammy we almost got for Rodney. You know. We'll return with more from one of the great opening acts of all time, Dennis Blair. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Visit us at VegasNeverSleeps.com. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. What can you do to prevent mosquitoes from spreading West Nile virus? The most important thing you can do is get rid of standing water on your property now. That's where mosquitoes breed. Don't leave standing water in outside pet water bowls, old tires, potted plants, anything that holds stagnant water. Dump birdbath water and replace every two or three days. Drain and cover unused swimming pools. Let's do it together and hit mosquitoes where they breed. Learn how at beyondpesticides.org mosquito. A public service message from Beyond Pesticides. This year, more than 172,000 people will be told they have lung cancer. Lung cancer. 60% will wonder why, why, as they never smoked or quit smoking years ago. Lung cancer will kill 163,000 people this year. More people than breast, prostate, colon, liver, and kidney cancers combined, making it by far America's number one cancer killer. Cancer killer. But there is hope. New treatments are available and more are on the way. The Lung Cancer Alliance is working to focus attention and research on lung cancer to develop early detection tools and more treatment options. Lung Cancer Alliance is leading the charge as the only organization solely dedicated to providing support, resources, and a voice for people touched by lung cancer and those at risk for the disease. Join us in the fight against lung cancer. The time has come. No more excuses. No more lung cancer. To learn more, visit lungcanceralliance.org or call 1-800-298-2436. As you may already know, trees do more than beautify our world. They help clean the air of carbon dioxide, a major greenhouse gas. As North America's largest recycler, last year alone, waste management recycled enough paper to save over 41 million trees. 
How's that for thinking green? From everyday collection to environmental protection, think green, think waste management. You're listening to the multi-talented Dennis Blair, who's open for some of the greats in entertainment and has also won a Grammy Award as a songwriter. You also wrote a book, Me First, uh, about your right. about your life and working for these celebrities. How do we get a copy of that? Uh, well, hopefully it will get published soon. It's, I'm still trying to get a publishing deal, so right oh. now it's in my computer. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm but, sorry. Uh, well, that's good. Well, we got to get that out there. That sounds like an interesting yeah. uh, that book. That would be nice. Uh-huh. That definitely would be nice. You got a couple of uh, stand-up comedy CDs out, right? Live Performance right. Anxiety and Words, Music, and Drunks. Uh, right. Where do we find that? Uh, that uh, you just go to my website and you can order those, and we'll send you, you know, whatever. There's a uh, it, it, it sends a see. There's those two albums. You can do those separately, or there's there's uh, my music album, which is called I Sleep Naked in the Rain. Wow. That's that's uh, and if you get if you want all three, you get them for uh, thirty bucks. Uh, Not bad. Be like twi- yeah. What's your so website? You know, tell, get, tell us your website. Dennis Blair. It's, it's DennisBlair.com. That's easy. That's easy. Well, I'm not done yeah. quite yet, Dennis. i got to say, you also do stuff. You're around Vegas, and, of course, you live there. But, you know, you, you've done the Joey Bishop bit at uh, these Rat Pack type shows. And I find that really interesting. Joey Bishop would strike me as kind of a tougher one. Was that a, a tough, you know, try to pick up his mannerisms and stuff? And not a lot of people do Joey Bishop that I know of. Right, and, and, and it's funny because the producer of the show, basically, you know, when, when the show started, the guy, the original guy who did it was doing his Joey Bishop impersonation. The, the uh, producer of the show told all of us that did Joey Bishop in that show. He said, you know, don't worry, no one remembers Joey Bishop. Just do whatever you want, basically. So, you know, all of us, uh, there were like three of us who did Joey Bishop uh, in the show, and we would just, yeah, you know, do whatever we felt was appropriate just to get the people laughing and uh but i would try to put a little bit of his inflection in there you know uh, just just to make it a little bit of a tribute and uh people would come up to me at the end of the show and go hey that was a really great joey bishop impression you did i said okay thank you <laughs> i was hardly even realized i was hardly doing an impression but okay i'll take that so yeah that was another interesting period yeah you you, you gotta take that you gotta take well let's tell people where they can find you now i know you do some music you're playing as part of a band Tuscany Lounge on Fridays, right? Right, right, right. The Tuscany Lounge in Las Vegas. Uh, every Friday when I'm in town, not doing comedy, uh, I play bass and guitar and do some singing in a band called the Ken- Kenny Davidson and the Approximators. It's uh, <laughs> we we do the first hour ourselves uh, with, with with songs, cover songs, and then uh, he has a different guest guest singer every Friday, and whoever that guest singer is comes and sings songs, and we back that singer. So that's just kind of a fun hobby kind of a thing, but it's. It kind of packs the place. So oh, it's, it's sounds kind of great. Cool. And the Tuscany's yeah, yeah. a cool then, place, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then I'm trying to put together a, a, a project for next year at some time where, uh, you know, I go to Nashville every three or four months with my songwriting partner, and we put down the original songs. And we've gotten uh, them on compilations, and our songs are being played now at, at, on radio stations in uh, Denmark and the U.K., and uh and and uh, there's a there's a, a, a station in the U.S. Uh, Ohio in Ohio that's starting to play some of our stuff. So some of our original stuff is now starting to get some airplay uh, worldwide. Cool. So we're trying to pursue that too. So still, that 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 dream has still not died. 
Yeah, it's great, Dennis. You got a lot of stuff going on. And you also do some comedy from time to time over at the Flamingo, right? Yep, yep. Uh, the X Comedy Show, which uh, closed about two months ago, and then they, they were going to try something else, but what they tried uh, kind of flopped. So they're kind of go, doing X Comedy again on a week to week basis. So as of now, uh, X Comedy is still back at the Flamingo Hotel on the. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays at eight o'clock, and we're doing that. No, that sounds like a lot of and fun. If, oh, and 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 if, and if they want to get uh, my original stuff, it's on iTunes. It's called the Dennis Blair John Durkin compilation. So it's, it's, it's uh, twenty-four songs for for like nine ninety-nine. What a deal! What, what a, a deal. bargain! You can't get a better deal. You can't get a better deal than that. So if you <laughs> what go on a iTunes, bar- you get it up. What a bargain! It's fantastic. Uh, Jackie and love Jackie Mason. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jackie Mason. I don't know why. This is a thing that happens to me every once in a while. You understand this? <laughs> I'm, I'm a sorry. big Jackie Mason fan. That's a great, and, and that is a great impression. Okay, so, and also, <laughs> let's go send people, don't forget, DennisBlair.com. You can find out about all this stuff. You'll be fascinated. You can buy things. And we can keep a track because I know there's more coming, Dennis, down the line. I hope so. I, am, I, 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 can't stop, I can't stop churning out this stuff. So there you go. Thanks for being with us, Dennis. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. When we return, we'll look at how good the new Vegas hockey team could be in their very first year, as well as visit the Casino Legends Hall of Fame and examine the Las Vegas Christmas calendar. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Is there something you've always wanted to know about Las Vegas? Drop us a line at info at VegasNeverSleeps.com. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You'd never suspect that you could find natural beauty as part of a working landfill. You can. Today, waste management landfills provide more than 17,000 acres of protected land for wildlife habitats. Working closely with communities and the Wildlife Habitat Council, we can ensure there will be protected space for native animal and plant life to thrive. From everyday collection to environmental protection. Think green. Think waste management. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach. You know, a lot of people may think this is all a bunch of psychobabble and that kind of thing. But in reality, this is stuff that on the surface may seem like we're going to explore our background. But actually, we're just getting really in touch with ourselves to see how we can be more successful. Is that what you try to do with people? It is. So I'm not so interested in what's happened in the past. What I'm looking for is where people are now, where they want to be, and coaching always takes place in the gap. So what are the things, where are the places where they're getting stopped that's in that gap? And then when we move through those, they end up having what they want, whatever their goal is for themselves. Okay, we're all excited about it now. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about about you and what you're doing? Sure, you can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you can also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. As you may know, the new NHL team in Vegas has a name. They are the Gold Knights. And our good friend and the Knights beat writer, Steve Karp, is here to tell us how good they might be out of the gate. The rules are being set up for the expansion draft to allow Las Vegas to put a competitive team on the ice. The 
the current 30 teams can always protect 11 players on their 23-man active roster. So that means there's going to be 12 players from each team. Now, Vegas can only take one from each team. So they can't take nine guys from the Blackhawks and none from Columbus. So, but you're going to get a really good player from each of these teams. Now, the problem will be how do they fit into your salary cap and, you know, in terms of how will they fit in on the ice as well. So you've got that issue. And the other thing that's good is that they're going to pick no lower than, I believe, six in the entry draft. So they're going to get a really good player in the top six of the amateur draft. So uh, I think they're in good shape. And, and uh, if they they get the right people selected, I think they could put a competitive team on the ice and do better than people think. I don't think they'll make the playoffs in their first year, but I think they could be maybe close to 500, which would be amazing. Only one team has ever done that, and that's the Florida Panthers in their first year of existence. So um, that's not unreasonable. So uh, but again, it's up to the hockey people. That's why he went and got his hockey people first rather than getting his business side first because the hockey side is going to what carries the day in Vegas, whether or not they're good or not. You can read Steve Karp's coverage of the Gold Knights all year at ReviewJournal.com. Let's go back in time and meet the movers and shakers from Las Vegas' early days by visiting the Casino Legends Hall of Fame and its founder, Steve Cutler. There's obviously been a big change where now there is all the special dining. Dining has always been an important part of Las Vegas, though, but it just, I guess, was in the earlier days was more limited, right, to like great steakhouses, that kind of thing? It was, and there's certainly, uh, we did not have any celebrity chefs back then. They were just good cooks. Uh, Dining was always a, a big part of Las Vegas, but nothing like it is today. It's it's just gone, you know, to the next level. Uh, but that is a, definitely a new category that has been added. Another category that's been added is sporting Las Vegas, and this is going to be all sports that are synonymous with Las Vegas, which would be boxing, uh, golf, uh, now NASCAR. And the Hall of Fame would obviously uh, recognize people in these areas. Tennis would be included. And uh, artifacts that are on display would obviously correlate with the people being inducted. So, I mean, you're thinking about people like tennis, like an Andre Agassi, or in boxing, maybe Ali, Frazier, that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. You can visit the Casino Legends Hall of Fame by going to CasinoLegendsHallOfFame.com We are back with another look at Christmas in Las Vegas, and there's a ton of stuff to do. We just kind of really hit the beginning part last week. There's some more we want to talk to you about this week that you can't miss over the coming weeks. And one of them, and it's just it's so one of those things that's so only in Las Vegas, are scuba Santas. Uh, Judy, I know we got Judy Cook, our producer, with us again. Judy, I know this is something that drives you kind of crazy. Well, you know, it's interesting. We've got here Santa Shipwreck at Mandalay Bay's Shark Reef. Now, this is going to be an area where it's a different kind of a Santa visit where there's going to be a shipwrecked 
Chris Kringle. He greets and takes orders from a stranded vessel with the help of his assistant, Santa Jaws. And we're going to be able to see Santa um, where he's got a strapped-on scuba tank spreading some holiday cheer. So I don't (laughs) know. I've never heard of a water Santa. Now, there is a cost to this one, depending on your age. It's uh, $20 for adults. Now, if that's not enough, there is a scuba Santa at the Silverton where it looks like it's all things Santa in the water. Now, it's a little weird to me, but you know what? They've been doing this here, and apparently people want to see Santa with scuba gear. So why not go check it out, Scuba Santa at the Silverton? There's going to be uh, mermaids in the giant aquarium, and, you know, how, how do you not go see this, especially when it's free? There's no cost for this. You can take the family, and uh, why not check out water-themed Santa Adventures. Absolutely. And, of course, the one at the Mandalay Bay Reef, you get to see the sharks. I guess that's what you're paying for. And hopefully the sharks will leave Santa alone. We're pretty sure that happens. There's well, some... hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Let's hope. There's also <laughs> the, there's some good music. And a typical Vegas, it's whatever your tastes are. So if you like rock and roll, the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino is doing their annual Holiday Havoc Rock Fest. It's sponsored by a local radio station. And it's going to feature London-based headliners Bastille on December 15th, along with Silver Sun Pickups, Fiddler, and The Moth and the Flame. So you don't want to miss that. Tickets go anywhere from about 40 bucks to 150 That's at the Hard Rock. And, Judy, I don't know if your family enjoys this, but there's a, a lot of people have a tradition of seeing the Nutcracker. Well, if you take a trip to Las Vegas, you won't miss it. It's being performed by the Nevada Ballet Theater, and it's over at the Smith Center, which, again, is a wonderful place to see anything. And uh, tickets there go from about 30 bucks to 180 So, Judy, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, and let's wish everybody out there a very Merry Christmas. As they remember, Vegas, even at Christmas time, never sleeps. We'll see you next week for more excitement and energy from the desert. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.